This is A Mind Controlled Life, a podcast for anxiety sufferers everywhere. Wake up each day feeling less and less anxious, but with more and more control with your host, Elaine Blidgen. Welcome to The Mind Controlled Life. I'm your host, Elaine Blidgen, and this is episode number four. Yay! The title of today's podcast is The Domino Effect. The Domino Effect. This is all about state. And you can imagine all these dominoes. You know, you might have seen them on TV in the Guinness Book of Records kind of thing, where they have all these dominoes all lined up and you touch one and they all fall and make this absolutely gorgeous pattern. In the world of anxiety, however, each one of those dominoes represents a belief, a self-limiting or a negative belief about oneself in the world. And if we do not have the right intervention, I've said this before, the right intervention to be able to eliminate those triggers, then we will feel the effects of our own perceptions. So what is state? What do I mean by state? Well, you've heard the saying, look at the state of you. What kind of state are you in? And it's usually talking about our emotions, our feelings, and how we are portraying that to other people. So if we are in an angry state, we are likely to be shouting or ranting at somebody. If we are in a sad state, you've heard the phrase, it's a sad state of affairs. It's everywhere, this state thing. It talks about how you are feeling on the inside and what that's looking like on the outside to other people. The question is, can we control our state? And you know the obvious answer here is going to be yes, but is it easy? No. Is it possible? Definitely. So why do we get into a state? We get into a state from our mindset, from those thoughts that are running around our heads and causing havoc when we actually believe what it is we're saying to ourselves. Now, this is very interesting to me because I thought that the information that I'm conveying to you was enough. So if I read in a book somewhere that if you're feeling sad or unhappy, that if you go and take some time out and say, may have a, a walk in the park or have a soak in the tub or something like that, that would change your state and that would be enough. And it's not. The state that you are in is in direct proportion to how much you believe the thoughts that pass through your head. Because have you ever been in a situation where you're just sitting there doing nothing in particular? You're in a neutral state of mind and then all of a sudden you're in a mood and you don't even know why. I call that I've been triggered. So if I'm in my kitchen, and actually it doesn't usually happen in my kitchen because that's my happy place. Let's just say I'm pottering about somewhere. And then suddenly I start to feel 
off. In fact, it happened today. It happened this very day. I was, it was in the morning. I have a morning routine where I get up and I will do my stretching. My stretching, I call it my stretcher size. And halfway through, I tend to listen to podcasts or downloads or YouTube videos whilst I'm doing my stretcher size. And I don't think it was about anything that I was listening to. But I was suddenly in an angry, irritable state. And I noticed it and I thought, where on earth did that come from? And it came from something that passed through my mind so quickly that I didn't catch it. And I still, to this very moment, do not know what triggered that. But what do you do when you're in that state? And why does it happen? Well, the obvious answer, it it only happens because we believe certain things about ourselves or about the, the, the situation or about a person or about something somebody said to be so true and it leaves us feeling either powerless or helpless or angry or something like that and then that triggers our state and so we feel it. It is virtually impossible for you to go through your day feeling happy with negative beliefs. It just doesn't happen. And you know that if people sink into depression, and that's a huge sense of helplessness and hopelessness about a situation that they're in, and it just just goes on and on and on, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper, there is no way, no matter what you say, that they can feel happy. Because they have the state of being in depression. And so it takes a good while. It takes lots of intervention. And sometimes it takes medical pharmaceuticals to help them to get back into a normal state of affairs. So what about you? What state have you found yourself in today? If you're anything like me and like the majority of people in this world, you would have gone through numerous states of being and states of mind. Because we have that thing called emotions. Now, believe this or not, when I was growing up, I thought, actually, not even growing up, it was the first time that I started going into this this self-help thing. And I thought that if I could just get rid of my emotions, then I'd be fine. I hated feelings. And even to this day, I am not, hmm, how do I put this? If I, if somebody said, right, Elaine, you've got three wishes, do you know, one of them probably would be to get rid of some of my emotions, and I know I shouldn't, and I am a lot better than I ever was, but I didn't know how to deal with them. They caused the state that I was in, and obviously that was caused by my perception about something that was going on, and there are some things that happen to us that are so ingrained in us, they just happen. We were brought up in a certain way. We've made associations that we can't even remember. We can't delve that deep, not even with a a psychiatrist or a therapist, even with a hypnotherapist. It's gone. But we're reacting as if it's real. And that's when it gets a bit icky and tricky. So, states. We can't always control them unless we have it in a particular situation. So you remember that I talked about triggers in in the last podcast episode. If we are triggered, say, by 
an ice cream van. <laughs> I don't know why I even said that. It's just, that's just weird, Elaine. Anyway, we're triggered by this ice cream van and it's playing that familiar ice cream tune thing. But let's just say something happened years before and you managed to make an association to that tune and you feeling bad. It just got locked together. That's it. They're married. They're never going to get divorced. That's it. It's there. You will be triggered and you that will change your state. And you won't even know why. But you might because it's on the external. It's out there. And you hear this sound and you feel bad and you think, that's a bit weird. Why do I feel bad every time I hear the ice cream van? When it's like that, it's a lot easier for you to do something about it. It's those states of mind that we don't even know is happening to us. And they just, just, they're just there. So we get up, we get dressed and we go to work, but we're in a mood. But what, why? And you, you're trying to think back to what happened? Why am I in a state? And you think it's because somebody cut you off in traffic. Or you think it's because you've got to go into work and you'd rather just stay in bed for, for the next 10 hours. Or you think it's because of a something that your aunt Lily said to you the, the week before. So you make up all these stories to try and account for this state that you're in, when really the only place that you can deal with this state is to find the beliefs. Now, I did just say that you can have these states come at you for no reason, not for no reason, but just they're just there. And you can't always do something about it. But actually, you can. This is what makes what I do so very good. Now, I have been on at you to self-coach, to coach yourself, because whether you're seeing a psychiatrist, a therapist, a doctor, whatever you're doing, you need to top that up so that every single day you can work on yourself and eventually you'll get to the place where you are fine, right? Now, if we all have these triggers and some of them are invisible, some of them are just so far down in the earliest part of our lives that we no way we're going to remember them now and so that makes it much more difficult to work on what do we do well this is what I found to be true at least with what I do if you have a really good intervention when I say good I just mean it works it gives you the effect of changing your behavior in the real world so it's effective it works and you're working on, say, a specific example at, say, work. And it always annoys you that when you're in a meeting, you want to say something, but you rarely do because there's that person, you know, that person. They always put you down, they'll smirk at you or belittle you or whatever it is they do. But it triggers you and you're conditioned not to say anything if they're in that meeting. If you work on that so that that person doesn't bother you any longer and you can say whatever you need to say. It has a compound effect. Now, remember back at school when you were learning about compound interest and it was like, uh, unless you are really good at maths. Well, I was like, uh, compound interest? Uh, or, mm, I don't get it. Anyway, eventually I got it. Let's give you another example. Another example would be like, the sunshine, it's shining down and it's not just shining in your garden so you can go out and sunbathe. It's shining on the neighbor's garden, on the other garden, on the street, on the road, on the other houses and everybody's getting a benefit of the sunshine, not just you. 
when you work on a belief and the thing that you're using to eliminate the trigger is truly effective, it knocks out other beliefs that you don't even know about, that you didn't even know you had. But you then find yourself doing things and reacting to things in a different way. Now, how about that? How exciting is that? So the question is, does your intervention enable and allow you to have that same effect? And why would you do it? Well, you've heard of stimulus response, which is like the conditioned response. Something happens and you respond. If you believe that people, the things or events make you feel in a certain way or make you do what you did, then you are going to feel like a victim. Yeah, you know this, you know this. And you are consequently going to be disempowered and you know what's going to happen next. If you're disempowered, then you think, well, what's the point? Nothing's going to happen good anyway. Might as well just give up. And you go into that state and then you're in that despondent, negative, (laughs) but there's no point in doing anything state. People then will come up to you and they'll try, because they're kind, and they like you, they'll try and put you in a better mood and say, you can do it, you know, you've done it before and just think it, it, it's, it's, it's really good. And then you become defensive. No, what would you know about it? It's all right for you to say that. And it, it just gets worse, doesn't it? Yeah. So we don't want that. We want to be at cause, at choice. Because when we are at choice, we ask ourselves a question such as, How can I make this work for me? Now, before I go on with that example, please do not think that I am somehow perfect and I've got this all sorted out. No, I haven't. I've got a lot of it sorted out for me and I am in a very good place, but no, I am not perfect. A lot of this is just to help you to have a aha experience from what I'm saying. So it will help you to coach yourself. It will help you to keep going and to change because you need to be motivated and you need to believe that it's possible for you. Okay, let's carry on. If you are at choice and you respond to, well, how can I make that situation work better for me? That puts you in the state of empowerment. Yay. You then feel that you are in charge of your own life and your own destiny. People then may say things to you like, do you know, you shouldn't have done that. That was a mistake. Oh, I didn't like that. What what are you wearing? They may criticise you. They may condemn. They may even complain. But because you are in an empowering and on probably a more upbeat state, how do you think you'll react then? Obvious, isn't it? You will be fine. Well, actually, no, let's be realistic here. You won't like it. More often than that, you won't like what they've said, but it won't bother you as much. You won't go home and have it run around your head and not be able to let it go and not be able to sleep at night because you're just thinking, right, How can I just not pay any attention to these people? You'll work on it, it'll go, and you'll just think, ha, ba, da, 
go away. Yeah. And this is an indicator for you to know that whatever it is you're trying now, you're on the right path. Because state of mind shows in your behavior. And people can always see it in the words that you use and how you use them. I have said previously that what we say to ourselves, we will believe. And if I've not said it, I'm saying it now. What we say to ourselves, we will, we will believe. And we can't always catch what we say to ourselves. But we know we're thinking and we know we are thinking something negative because we feel negative. You cannot feel happy if you've got a negative frame of mind because you're in a negative state. And it's, it's not possible, yeah? But if you're in a positive state of mind, then you're going to be able to feel happy. That's just the way that works. Don't know why, but it seems logical to me. So the thing that you are doing now, that intervention, that that technique, that tool that you're using has to be able to get you to change your state. Now, remember I said that I have an issue with affirmations. One thing that they do, or they can do, I suppose, is that they can change your state. It just doesn't go any further than that. And we need a bit more than that. And most of the tips and the techniques that you'll find if you have anxiety, like take a deep breath or write your gratitude journal or phone a friend or just relax. All of those things are designed to change your state of mind. It's just that they are quite superficial. But actually, if if that's all you've got, then that's all you've got. What I'm wanting you to understand is that the triggers, all those triggers that you have that make you do a particular behavior, and this is a true makes you because you've got no choice but to do it once you've set it up, is the domino effect. You'll get triggered And that will trigger something else and trigger something else and trigger something else. And before you know it, you're in a mood. And we want to catch that initial trigger. And this is, again, where the first step of this comes from. You need to be aware of that. And the way for you to be aware is to start noticing your emotions. If you'd been a client of mine... I would invariably have given you a list of all the negative and some positive, but mostly the negative emotions that we feel. Because sometimes it's just so difficult to figure out how we're feeling. Because we can get the happy, sad, angry, fearful ones, but the nuances like uh, fed up or here's one. You could say that you are lonely or you could say that you're feeling miserable or unhappy or out of sorts. Do do you get what I mean? All of those different nuances for the same feeling will trigger in you that state and that state of mind. And when you can distinguish between well, I'm not feeling lonely, but I am feeling out of sorts. 
or I'm I'm not afraid, I'm just feeling a little bit apprehensive. It makes the difference between finding those triggers and it leaving you cold. So a state can be triggered by those nuances and it can also be triggered by events that happen outside because you've been conditioned in a way that you didn't even realize you were being conditioned to respond. Now, they say that when we're babies, when we're born, we're born with the reflex of being scared of loud noises. And so if you're outside and I've never heard a car backfire, to be honest, but they do use that as an example. What sends me into a bit of a state are fireworks because Is it me or are they louder and much more menacing in how they sound? To me, that's what it's like now. It feels like I'm in a war zone when people are setting off fireworks. And in fact, last night, and I have no idea randomly why people were setting off fireworks. And they unnerve me because they sound ominous. And this is another thing that I want to bring your attention to. If you play back, the couple of sentences that I've just said, you will hear certain words. I use the word war. I use the word ominous. I use the word, actually can't remember what I said, but I do remember saying those two words. The words that you use will create your state. Ah, think about that. Now, I'm going to test this and I want you to test this for yourself. If I say to you, fireworks create in me an anxiety because they sound so ominous like there's a war going on versus fireworks are a bit loud and sometimes it makes me startle but then I know it's just fireworks. Which of those two creates much more of that emotional negative feel about it. It's going to be the first one I said, isn't it? So it's not only that you have certain words and phrases that can create a state, it's that you're using those words every single time you open your mouth and even when you're not, when you're thinking it's still there. So be aware of the words that you are using because they create your state as well as all the other conditions, responses that you've built in over time. So we're starting to get a bit more complex now, aren't we? And you're beginning to understand why it's not so easy to get rid of your anxiety, you know, eliminate that trigger because there are so many different layers. Which brings me to another point, actually. I am absolutely convinced that You, with anxiety, can use the tools that I use to eliminate anxiety triggers and get rid of it. So you you don't have to keep doing anything on that particular issue. It's just gone. But why is that? Why do I believe that? Well, there are two reasons. One, I've done it myself and it works. But the second is we all have the ability of self-reflection. Now, self-reflection, as we get older, i.e. just being an adult, not like older, like 70, 80-year-old older, we are able to look at a situation and reflect on it. And if you think about that, if you were to see me now, you'd see that my hands went 
to one place when I was talking about a situation and reflect on it came back towards my body. And that's two positions. We are able to stand out of ourselves, reflect on what we've done to learn from it. And you, we learn how to do this and we can do this as an adult. You listening to me now will be able to think of a situation in the past where you reacted in the way that you didn't want to react in. And you can stand back and you can look at it with new eyes, as they say, and you're able to reflect on the whole situation in the way that you can take something from it to help you in the now. That is the same skill that you need when you're coaching yourself. You look at a situation and you stand back from it, reflect on it, and then you use really effective intervention techniques and tools to change the perception about how you saw it then. Does that make sense? It's a bit complex and I will be going into that more and more and more as the podcast proceed. What I'm actually trying to get you to understand and to draw you into is that you have everything that you need to coach yourself out of anxiety. You really do. And I'm not saying that you can necessarily do it alone, alone, because you may need the therapist or the coach or the counselor that you're seeing now. You may need that. I had my own coach. I had my trainings and I couldn't do it just like that. I was trained to be able to do this. Yeah. So every sentence that you say is either going to help you to feel good, bad or neutral just to make it very, very simple. And I've just given you an example of the fireworks and how I could describe that to myself. And that will set me up into a state. And those states means that we cannot respond how we want to respond. So another example would be at work. You know, on a Tuesday, it's team meeting morning. And you hate team meetings because your manager expects everybody to come up with a good idea and you've been there 20 years and for goodness sake, there are no more good ideas. (laughs) You can tell what state you're in before you even get to the meeting. So you're not looking forward to it, are you? You go into the meeting, you think, oh, God, I can't wait till this is over. You're sitting there and it's your turn. Yeah, you you probably will come up with something or you might not, who knows, but you're not going to feel good about it because you got yourself into a state and the state can only come from one place and that's you. And that's irrespective of whether you work for a jerk. You know, this person is just just a tin head. They're just horrible. They pick on you. They make life miserable for everybody and it's just not fair. Even if that was 100% true, let's go back to you and you being at choice. Only at choice can you do something about that and change how you see that. Now, actually, I was listening to a podcast and this young lad, he's 25 years old, and it scares me, some of his attitude. But anyway, that's another story. He was talking about something that Will Smith, Will Smith, you know, the actor said. And he quoted Will Smith. And Will Smith used this word responsibility. Responsibility is your, you are able to respond. You have the ability to respond in whatever way you choose to a particular situation. 
Now, when this young boy was talking about this, he used the word blame. And he was saying that if you're in a situation that you do not like at work, for instance, then it's your fault you're to blame. And he kept saying this throughout the podcast. And I'm thinking, no, uh, no, it's not that at all. We are responsible for how we eventually feel about it because that's the best place to be to be able to change it. We can't change what that person says or, or does. We can't change certain things in our life. But what we have the ability to do is to change our state about it, to change our perception about it. And using a self-coaching tips and t- the techniques, you can do that. If you do not have the belief that you are responsible for how you feel, not that you are to blame for how you feel because you're in a situation where you know that this person is a sexist or a ist person of some sort and that just winds you up you have a choice then if you put yourself at the place of right I don't want to feel this way or this person triggers me I need to change this and I'm going to change it but if you put yourself in that victim state what can you do you can just find those friends that will listen to you moan and whine about how bad everything is and it doesn't get any better for you. And sometimes we do need a good moan and a whinge and a whine. It's it's nice sometimes, but honestly, it's better when it doesn't bother you anymore. It, it, it And it genuinely really is. So remember when I talked about forgiveness and it's not about them, even though they've done and said something really, really horrible. It's about you. It genuinely feels so much better when That person, what they say, what they do, doesn't bother you anymore. And the only reason that I did all of this was because it escalates. Everything that happened to me starts, maybe started off with someone criticizing me and saying, I don't like your skirt. And then if I took that personally, I would then think, well, you know, oh my gosh, I don't like my skirt. That means they don't like me. And then if they don't like me, then what? I've got to make sure that they do like me. And I've told you this. I spent my time trying to figure out how to people please because I wanted people to like me because I believed that if I got criticized, it meant that they didn't like me. And if they didn't like me, then that was it. My life was over. So think about that. I'm admitting to you what it's like to be in the mind of someone with the, the weird anxiety and paranoia and insecurity and low self-esteem and low confidence. And you can sit there and you can judge and you can say, thank the Lordy, I'm not like her. But you know you've still got stuff to work on. So if you did even half of what I'm asking you to do, you're going to get there much quicker than me. Because your stuff isn't anywhere near as quote-unquote bad as mine. And that's why I'm saying and doing all of this. Because I don't know many people that can admit it. Because they're still living in it. They'll admit it to me maybe a little bit. And obviously my clients will admit whatever. But I'm telling you. And you could tell somebody else. And then somebody could come up to me and say, oh, are you the one that can't even walk on the carpet on, without something on your feet? And I'll say, yeah, used to be. It's fine now. Because <laughs> I am on the other side. 
So that's what I have to say about state. State of mind is down to you. And I am not saying that things don't happen that will challenge you in that regard. I am not saying that that life isn't difficult, hard, challenging, unfair, and all the other adjectives I can use to describe life in a negative way. What I am saying is that when you use self-coaching, use my script, go to elainebligeon.com, download that. It's called the anxious person's immune yourself against anxiety script, the longest (laughs) title in the world. Use it. Send me questions if you don't know how to get the shift, because this is what we're talking about. We want you, or I'll say we, I want you to have a great state of mind because that's when you do your best work. And you can only get your state, the state of mind change by interventions. It doesn't just happen. And no amount of rah, rah, roo, roo, rah is going to get you there. Well, at least it didn't for me. And it certainly didn't for my clients either. So that's it. And remember, a mind-controlled life is a life where you can wake up each day feeling less and less anxious, but with more and more control. Speak to you soon.